Hey friends, welcome to the Healthy Christian Leader Podcast brought to you by the Aaron Ministries Network. In today's episode, we get to hear from Father James Mallon. Father James is the founder of Divine Renovation Ministry and he's the author of the best-selling book, Divine Renovation, From a Maintenance to a Missional Parish. In today's talk, Father James unpacks how Christian leaders can create ministries that are sustainable, scalable, and transferable. We hope you enjoyed today's talk. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, uh, whenever and wherever you're watching this. Uh, my name is Father James Mallon. I'm the pastor of St. Benedict Church in Halifax, and it's a real uh, pleasure and joy to share with you a few rambling thoughts and words on the subject of on the, the task of our, of, our, of our various ministries. Um, I've entitled my, my talk today as the the three ables of ministry, and by that I mean I want to talk on the on the the concepts of sustainable ministry, scalable ministry, and transferable ministry. So sustainable, scalable, and transferable. And before I, I get into these topics, I want to begin by saying that there's a few presumptions that I'm making. I'm making a presumption around uh, an anthropology. That's our understanding of the human person. And I'm making a presumption around uh, the end game for our, for our ministry. So number one, the presumption on anthropology. What do I mean by that? Well, I, I mean that uh, how we understand the, the human person in, in how we cooperate with the grace of God. You know, we know that fruitful ministry uh, is, only comes through God's grace. It only comes through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. But what is the relationship between God's grace and, and, and that human element? And that's what I want to talk about. Um, um, I'm from the Catholic tradition, and uh, St. Thomas Aquinas, one of the great theologians of the Western Church, once said this, that grace builds on nature. It's a very interesting point. Grace builds on nature. We often speak about grace and nature, but if you think that grace builds on nature, it means that it, grace doesn't replace human nature. Uh, it can perfect it. So what does this mean for us? It means basically that we have to be spiritually grounded, but uh, we can't neglect the human. Uh, we can learn the human. In fact, you could be very, very spiritually strong. You could be soak your ministry in prayer and be totally surrendered, but because of bad human habits, your ministry might not be fruitful. So grace building on nature means, first of all, we recognize that everything comes from God. Secondly, we've got to deal with the human. And sometimes in the church, there's an attempt um, a tendency sometimes to over-spiritualize, as if, if, we if we're just spiritual enough, if we just pray enough, everything else would be great. But no, it's grace builds on nature. It's the human and the divine, the human and the divine. In a sense, actually, it's, it's the human uh, first because the, God's grace comes to that human element. So we can't neglect the human. So there are things that we can learn, the, there are things that we can do humanly in addition to our spiritual foundations that I think can, that can benefit ministry. St. Augustine, uh, another great saint of the Western Church, said this. He said, uh, uh, pray as if everything depends on God and work as if everything depends on you. Pray as if everything depends on God because guess what? Everything does depend on God. Work because everything depends on you. That too, everything does depend on you. So pray and work at the same time. So that's the first presumption that, the, that we can talk about in what follows about human issues uh, that can impact our ministries. The second presumption is about the end game 
uh, of our ministries. And I'm pretty confident that we share the same end game, that we have a desire for people to come uh, to encounter Jesus Christ, to come into relationship with him, to surrender to him as Lord, and then to begin uh, the path of discipleship, of maturity, which leads them to, to growing and eventually uh, being equipped for ministry, that we're called in pastoring to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the church, and then to see um, these disciples be released into min uh, ministry, uh, preferably ministry that goes out uh, to, be, to become missional. Uh, I love a phrase that Pope Francis often uses. He says, missionary disciples. That's, that's the goal of pastoral ministries, to raise up missionary disciples, people who are in relationship with the Lord, who have surrendered to him, who are seeking to follow him, and, uh, and see their, their lives as a mission field. Um, and and we, our job in pastoring is to equip them for ministry. I'm sure I'm not saying anything that, that, that you're not saying amen to. So th those are the two presumptions, the presumptions about human nature, presumption about the nature, the end game of pastoral ministry. So with that in mind, I want to jump into the three ables. Now, I want to tell you, first of all, that uh, this actually, I know this sounds absolutely corny, but this actually came to me in a dream. Go figure. Uh, I woke up one morning from a dream, and in my dream, I was giving a talk like this, uh, and I was talking about uh, able, the ables of ministry, scalable, sustainable, and transferable. And I woke up and I thought, man, that's, that's, uh, that's not bad. So uh, I wrote it down, and here I am. Um, uh, talking about these three ables. But addition, I think they were in my dream because there were three things, three dimensions of ministry uh, or principles of ministry that I was struggling with myself and that we were uh, trying to implement them at, at my church. So I'm going to jump in. I want to look, first of all, at sustainable ministry. You know, in the end, if you take out more than you put in, it, nothing will last. Nothing will last. And we want uh, ministry that, that's going to last. Uh, we know that uh, long-term ministry in our churches is what will bring um, lasting change. And so we, it's very much in our interest to do everything we can to make sure our ministry is sustainable. Now, as I said before, I'm presuming that there's a spiritual foundation. I'm presuming, of course, that, that each of us are seeking a life of prayer, that we're seeking to be surrendered to the Lord, uh, to be honest with the Lord, that, there's, that we're not hiding anything uh, that we're confessing our sins to the Lord, that we're surrendering, that we're, we've got a daily prayer because obviously no ministry will be sustainable without that. I'm presuming that, okay? I know that's not always the case as we struggle with our own brokenness, but I'm going to presume that. I'm going to look at some human elements. Um, in the end, um, the, the labor for, to see our churches renewed, to see our churches become healthy and grow and bear fruit uh, for the kingdom... That task is, you know, running that race is, is a marathon, it's not a sprint. And I know too often in my own life that I tend to run the marathon as if it was a sprint. And of course, after three, figuratively three, five miles, you're thinking, I ain't going to be able to finish the race. I, don't, I, don't, I'm, I'm, I can't sustain this. And this is the question, how do we have a ministry that is actually sustainable? Because if, it's, if what we're doing is not sustainable, it, it's, it's going to be a train wreck, and, that, and that's not too great. And this is something that affects our role as pastors, those of you who are watching who are pastors, uh, as uh, staff in, in, in churches. Uh, sustainable, the concept of sustainable also impacts our structures within our church and ministries. Ministry leaders themselves in our different churches, and even uh, volunteer ministers, we've all been all too familiar with those people who just take on more and more and more, everything filters through them and, and runs through them and they become burned out and what they're doing is not sustainable. 
I found uh, in, a, uh, in my experience that churches eventually, if you know, if a pastor is in leadership long enough, churches will eventually reflect the personality of the pastor. Now that may be a good thing. It may not be such a good thing. I think in my case, it's definitely a double-edged sword. Uh, for my part, I, I kind of, I like chaos. I like, I, I just enjoy it. I don't know, I just, I like tons of stuff going on. I love, I love uh, being frantic. It's so much more fun than being overly prepared and, and, uh, and ready for everything. I, I just love that energy. And I'm good at starting things. I, I'm an activator. I get things moving. I inspire people. And then I usually go on and start something else before the other thing is fully off the ground. And guess what? You do that long enough, people want to kill you. And I mean like my staff, my team in, in volunteer ministries. I'm running around lighting fires and, and moving on to the next one. And uh, I've discovered very early on, well, actually, that's not true. That's not true at all. In fact, it's taken me many years to figure this one out. But I discovered this a number of years ago, that that form of ministry is not sustainable. It's not sustainable. We had, in our parish, when my first two years, we had over 90 ministries running, and we had about 50 different ministries for discipleship. And, and I, I, was, uh, I was working out of a kind of a, the, the more the merrier philosophy. Like, uh, you know, people would come to you with, with a ministry idea. I'd say, sure, let's do it. And... Um, we were adding ministries, adding things, adding things, never taking anything away. You know, it was like, throw it against the wall. If it sticks, great. If it doesn't stick, it yeah, doesn't matter. Let's throw something else against the wall. So it was just this plethora of, of activity. And, uh, and guess what? It was wonderful at first. It really was because we were doing all these ministries. People had, were encountering the Lord. People were entering into discipleship, growing. Lives were being changed, being transformed. There was a lot of excitement. The the building was maxed out. There was all this crazy stuff going on. But uh, after about a year and a half of this, almost two years, that the cracks began to show. And it became evident that, that for myself as pastor, it wasn't sustainable because my health was being impacted by all the things I was doing. The staff really were redlining. And you know, if you drive your car and, you, and you're revving it up in the red, in the red all the time, you're going to blow your engine. And that's exactly what we were doing. It was not sustainable. So it, first of all, it really involved, you know, kind of listening, listening, uh, sometimes listening to our own bodies, uh, listening to those around us, listening to our team. Uh, and that means that we need to create an environment in our, in our staff meetings and our, our team meetings where people can be truly honest and, and not be afraid, you know, because they know, you know, the pastor likes lots of stuff, so they're, they're afraid to somehow raise this topic. But it really had to listen, uh, listen to what people were saying. And so the difficulty here is that in order to, to address that, you know, basically the model of ministry we're using was itself not sustainable. It, was the, it wasn't just particular ministries. It was, uh, it was the model itself overall. But it's, it's one thing to change a model that's not working at all. It's, an, it's a much more difficult thing to change a model that has been working because, as, as I said, this way of doing things uh, was bearing fruit, but we were going to blow the engine. And so that was a real challenge for us, but we had to really address it. We addressed it um, through restructuring staff. Um, I'm going to say a bit more about this in the next section, but we restructured our staff to reduce the number of direct reports to me. Uh, and, and that, in a turn, relieved me, made my personal ministry more more sustainable. It also created um, an ability for us to really uh, mentor and coach other staff members and give them the support that they were not getting. 
And then in turn, of course, if, you're, if your staff members are doing well, then they're going to work with your ministry leaders in, in, in a much more uh, fruitful way as well. So it's, a, it's like the iron uh, model, you know, healthy leader, healthy church. Finally, there was a principle that we're still trying hard to implement, and it's uh, the principle that, uh, that I'm sure you've heard before is less is more. Less is more. See, before I was working out of a mindset that said more is better, more is more. Uh, the more the merrier, but less is more. By, by doing fewer things well, there's a greater impact for the kingdom than just doing a whole bunch of other things. And in our room where we meet with our leadership team, we have a, I went on the internet and found a, a photograph of a man called Les Moore. No idea who this guy was. It's a picture from the 50s, and he's got like uh, pilot goggles and a pilot hat and a little mustache. And in the top corner picture, it says, love less more, L-E-S-M-O-R-E. So we framed it and we put it up in our, in our leadership room. And uh, Les is right there looking at He's one of those pictures, wherever you walk, the eyes follow you. And he's right there. And anytime we forget that principle, we always point to less. Less is more. So I want to give you three questions, a number of questions. Number one, is your model of ministry as a pastor sustainable? And maybe a way to help you um, answer that question is this. Uh, think 10 years from now, 10 years forward, uh, the thought of continuing to do what you're doing right now for 10 years, does it fill you with dread and make you want to throw up? Or does it make you like so excited that you, can't, you can barely uh, sit still? That's, that's a big indicator because when I was in the burnout phase, the thought of even another six months just seemed just something I couldn't do. Now that things are much better, I, I, I just look forward to so much, you know, so many more years in, in ministry. Um, are the staff and ministry leads in your, in your church being supported? Have you stopped to ask them that question and truly listen? Uh, are members taking on multiple ministries and is it time to let a few of them die? not the members, the ministries. So those are three questions. I'm going to move now to the topic of scalable. And I'm, I kind of lost track of time. So Caleb, how are we doing for time? 15. 15 so far? Okay, good. I'm going to move a little more quickly through these next ones. So scalable. Why do we, we've talked about sustainable. Now we want to talk about scalable. Why do we want scalable? Well, the Lord expects growth. Uh, you go through the, the gospels and many of the Parables of the kingdom are about growth. The parable of the talents about investment. The Lord expects a return on his investment. And the Lord ex really is, expects this, and so should we. Uh, and you know, healthy leaders, healthy churches. Well, if a church is healthy, it will grow because healthy things grow. It's just the way it is. It happens all by itself. And if a thing grows, the very model or structure or way that you did things that enabled that growth to happen. But the very fact that it grows will make that model uh, not work as well. So eventually, but the very fact that something grows means that you're going to have to change. And so when we begin ministry, uh, when you implement uh, new ministries or if you have a model of ministry, the question is, is it scalable? Is it equipped to actually grow or does it, does it, does it hit a glass ceiling? Um, are particular ministries scalable in our churches? Is, is our model of, of church life itself scalable? Um, the, in order to make this the case, then the issue of leadership becomes key. And we have to ask ourselves as leaders, are we raising up other leaders or just raising up uh, doers? You know, and 
uh, are we delegating tasks or delegating responsibility, real responsibility, and with that responsibility, real authority as well, because we should never delegate responsibility and not give people the authority to make decisions. That's just that the we'll lose people, we'll lose our best people if we do that. So I wanna give you a couple of examples from my own experience in these last number of years of, of the necessity of scalable ministry. I'd mentioned before under sustainable, uh, the, the staffing structure, and I had, uh, even in my last church, and even five years ago when I arrived at St. Benedict, I had a staff member who oversaw other admin or operations staff members. They reported to him, and he reported to me. That was cool with that. That was fine. I, I don't have any really much interest in those kinds of things. I know they have to happen. But all the pastoral staff reported to me. Now, when I first went to St. Benedict, we had the equivalent of five full-time staff. Now we have the equivalent of uh, 13 full-time staff. And most of the staff we've added have are, are pastoral staff. So when you get two, three pastoral staff, having them all report to the pastor is, is fine. But when you get the four, five, six, and more, all of a sudden uh, it bottoms out because most people can only really sustain about six or seven direct reports and do it effectively. And basically, we were in a situation where I was drowning, I, I was overwhelmed, and I wasn't uh, giving the team what they needed. So the reason was we were not set up uh, to scale. And uh, we did a restructuring that created basically two middle managers who oversaw staff and ministries, and they reported to me. And I have to tell you, you know, I know that not every church might be the size to do that kind of thing, but again, if, if you're growing, and the Lord blesses your ministry, perhaps someday you will have to deal with that. But uh, it was one of the greatest things in, 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 in taking the pressure off and, and becoming healthy. Um, another example is our, is our ministry model. We were, you know, uh, all these discipleship programs that we were doing, we were running them all as big programs in the church building itself. And at about 35% involvement of, I mean 35% of, number-wise in terms of Sunday attendance. We were around 35-40% involvement in a, in a ministry year. We had maxed out the buildings. Now our vision was to achieve, was to move through God's grace to about a 70%, that, that's our dream, 70% involvement in discipleship processes. Well, very quickly we realized, you know, if we've maxed out the building at 40%, this model doesn't work. The, the, it, it's been great, it has been working, but it's not scalable. It's not scalable, and if we don't change it now, it, it's gonna, we're gonna, it's just not gonna work. And that was a very difficult thing to, to change the model in, in, in kind of as, as you're moving. Uh, and now we've, we've decentralized these things and we've pushed them all out to the home. So we have mid-sized groups meeting in homes and we have about uh, 60 small groups meeting in homes as well. All of this stuff has been pushed into homes. The building is still busy, but, but probably in the course of a week, 50-60% of the ministry activity in our parish is all happening in people's homes, and we solved that problem of, of scalability. Uh, and number three, ministry leaders who do everything themselves. You know, they set up a ministry, they run a ministry, they do all the tasks themselves, and basically make the entire ministry depend on them as people. That's not scalable, because in order to have, you know, two of those ministries, you'd need to clone that person, and, you know, cloning is not probably a good thing. So it, it's, not, it's not scalable because it's all dependent on that one person. This person has failed to raise up a team of people, failed to equip other people to, to try and multiply ministry. Another thing is, another way that this can happen is not just that someone is doing everything, but the 
the way this ministry is done um, is not, it, it can't be repeated. It can't be done by anyone else. And I think of one of our staff members who loves doing Bible studies. And uh, the first couple of years, she would run five, six, eight Bible studies in the course of the year. But she, her Bible studies were so good. They were so good that they were almost on par with something you would get at, at, at a theology school. Uh, and as wonderful as that was, the problem was that people who took that, her Bible studies, they loved it, but they all left saying, wow, wow, that was amazing. We could, we could never do it. No one can do it like her. And that was exactly what it was. She was run off her feet, doing all this work, uh, and having very minimal impact. And I said to her a couple of years ago, you know, next year I want you to start bringing down the number of Bible studies that you do and come up with a resource, uh, video resource books that you can empower others to do so that you know, you're doing less directly and we, instead of eight Bible studies, we can have 25 running. Again, the model was wrong. The, the way, the, the way that the, the design of the ministry was wrong, it wasn't scalable and it needs to be, needs to be scalable. Uh, and that means that we need to have a, uh, and work for a culture of leadership within our parishes. I think of um, a young single mother in my parish called Laurie. Laurie, three and a half years ago, wasn't coming to church. Uh, she started coming to Mass. Uh, had a real experience of the Holy Spirit at Mass, uh, came to speak to me. Um, we welcomed her in, into the church. She took Alpha, had a powerful conversion, went on to uh, start a women's, with a group of other young, uh, other women, start a, a women's uh, midweek group, and later uh, felt called to, to work in ministry to reach the uh, women who had been divorced and separated, and, and we came alongside of her uh, discerned this with her and equipped her and set her up for this ministry and it took off and two years later she now has raised up a couple of other leaders and, and is now offering this ministry a couple of times a year one of the times she's not even involved in it. There's a perfect example of, of a scalable type of ministry because uh, it's not all about her, it's not her doing the doing, it, she's raising up others and equipping them to be leaders. Uh, that's a scalable ministry. That the, as the number of missionary disciples, people on fire for the Lord who are equipped for ministry increase, they themselves are empowering and, and calling forth others. I think of the words of uh, Paul in 2 Timothy 2.2. He says, he says this, What you have heard from me through many witnesses, entrust the faithful people who will be able to teach others as well. Think about that. Uh, there's Paul talking to Timothy and saying what you've heard from witnesses. So there's Paul, witnesses, Timothy, and then the people that Timothy will speak to, and then also the people that Timothy spoke to will be speaking to others. In this one verse, there's reference, in a sense, to five generations of influence. And that's the key to scalable ministry, is that we're constantly raising up others who can raise up others who can raise up others, and then it, it, it will grow. Sometimes we come out of churches that want the pastor to do everything, and, and certainly the way we do ministry will differ based on the size of your church. I mean, you can't, you know, not do frontline ministry if you're a church of, of 50 people or 100 people, even 200 people. But as your church gets bigger, you have to adapt how you do ministry. But the push-out factor uh, is key if we want to truly raise up and equip others, uh, if we want to actually give them responsibility and authority in ministry and see our, what we're doing scale up. So I wanna finish this section with a few questions. Number one, what is absolutely essential in my current role in ministry? What is it right now that I'm doing that, I ab that absolutely has to be done by me? To get a clear sense of that. And then the other task, what, 
What can I possibly push out? What can I give to others, raise up others to do? It's very important for us to have that list and be able to work through that push out list. Um, and am I willing uh, to actually give people not only responsibility as opposed to just tasks, but also the authority uh, to make decisions within those ministries? So finally, the third able is transferable. I'm going to move quickly here because I'm a bit long-winded. Why transferable? Well, we need to have a kingdom mindset. I really believe that, that our goal is not, should not be just for our churches to become healthy, for our churches to be better, for our, our churches to grow. We should have a desire for all other churches to become healthier, better, and, and, and growing. You know, we are uh, in a postmodern, post-Christian world. I don't think any of us no matter who we are or where we are in ministry, uh, have the confidence of knowing that absolutely everything we're doing is the right thing. I most certainly don't. I, at best, I can say that I think we're asking the right questions and our answers are not as bad as the answers we used to give. But we need each other. We need each other because uh, we live in this hostile environment. And if, if one of us trips over something that, that is working in life-giving, we have a responsibility. I think we have a moral obligation to share that with one another and to help one another, not keep it to ourselves. I think this is very, very important. I've spoken to a lot of church leaders, and it may be through perhaps, I would say, a, a, a misunderstanding of humility that helping other churches is not even on the radar. It's like, oh, well, I could never do that. But if God has blessed you and given you something that, that works, then I think we have a responsibility to share that with others. Um, Speaking here of transferable, uh, which uh, transference is different from replication. We're not talking about replicating. You know, your church is your church. It's not my church. Your context is very, very different. So it's not about copying exactly what one other church does. But I think we need to say, what is it? What is done well by a particular church out there? What is done well by our church that we can help others to learn from these principles? And as they take these principles, these values into their context, it may not look the same but it will bear fruit. So again, in conclusion, a few questions for you as I finish off. Uh, what are you doing well in your church right now that could help other churches? And lastly, what are other churches doing well that you could learn from? What are other churches doing well that you can learn from? So there you go, the three ables of, of healthy ministry, um, sustainable, scalable, and transferable. Thanks for your patience. Thanks for putting up with me and uh, pray for us at St. Benedict Parish. God bless you. Hey, thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the Healthy Christian Leader Podcast. And hey, if you enjoyed it, consider leaving us a review. That would really help us out. Also, if you're looking to grow with like-minded Christian leaders, consider engaging with our online community. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can visit our website for more information at aaronministries.com.